welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Graham Nye and Chris Dominic. Good morning, Chris Dominic. Can I help you? Do I actually hear ocean? There is ocean. There is Ocean's Eleven. I can see Julia Roberts. I can see... <laughs> Whatever happened to our rule about you not flaunting the ocean thing in front okay. of you? Okay, we live in at 7 o'clock in the morning, and my wife and I pulled an all-nighter to get a grant application in for the company we have, and our 15-year-old son was up for most of the night studying for his exams, and our 18 year old wow. son who just finished his finals, he kind of rolled in three sheets to the wind. So the family's asleep, so I've snuck outside... And the problem is you can you can hear the Pacific Ocean, and I'm sorry about that. No, oh yeah, you're sorry it's, about it's that. I can full tell. of COVID. You can smell the COVID. You can smell the COVID. You're really, up. really, really sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, hey, I, I had a question for yes. you. Your uh, your sons both play played or play some sports, right? Oh, they love it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What what's the sport that's going in Australia right now? Well, it's really interesting because for that age group, eighteen and fifteen, so basketball's a big thing, but it's direct from the US. Like my oldest son watches the NBA on his phone on some app and they have watch parties and watch their favorite team, the Portland Trailblazers or whatever. So it's kinda of interesting. Mm-hmm. In in my day, I mean we knew sort of of Michael Jordan. He was some kind of guy. He played, I think bus baseball i think uh but he was oh, man. very good wasn't he he was a golfer i think um but now with the way the internet is the kids are beaming sport in from um from the u.s that's essentially from a right from a participation point of view uh football uh soccer as some would say uh that's a massive participation sport um yeah okay. and then any sport with a concussion related thing is now kind of under threat because mums choose the sport for their kids which is understandable and you've got Massive concussion rates um, in you know rugby and rugby league and those sorts of things. Oh yeah, yeah it's bad in football too. Yeah. In American football. Yeah. So wait, I'm just curious, what's the most popular sport in Australia to participate in or watch? Watch yeah. like as as fans. Yeah, as fans. fans. I think it would be rugby league and Aussie rules football. Mm-hmm. It's Aussie rules football, massively parochial. It's only played in Australia. It's the bastard child of. Um, an Irish uh, sport that we kind of borrowed when we came down here. So 90% of Australians are of Irish heritage. So that means a lot of Irish people stole a lot of bread 200 years ago and were put on ships and shipped out here. And uh, Aussie rules football is derived from Ireland. You don't play it outside Australia, but it is incredible. But in the southern states, not so much in Sydney, but in Melbourne and Adelaide and over in Perth. Oh, wow. Okay, so wait a minute. You said it was 90%. You said it was 80% Irish in the last episode. So which one's going to be, my man? It's growing. It's really interesting. Just from one episode to the other, we've had a bump. No, really. (laughs) Can you tell tell me I'm a liberal arts graduate? I've got a really loose grip on numbers, but I could just talk and talk and talk. Ships, ships of tall ships of Irish people just showed up between the last episode and this episode. Okay. Okay. That's really going to increase our credibility with the listeners. Thanks. Okay. So I got to ask you this then. What do you think is the number one sport in the world? From a viewership or participation? From viewership. We're going to stick with viewership from here on. Okay. The sport that's watched the most. Uh, Cricket. It's close. You know, it's not. And I said that, it's not cricket. Though. I thought it was only because of India. I know that the biggest income driver on television for cricket outside of England and Australia, the next one is America, 
because there are so many Indians living in America watching cricket, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. But no, okay, so I'll just so I'll just I'll just tell you, cricket is number two Oof. at two and a half billion people Oof. who watch it. Cricket is number two. I bet you that surprises people. I think it would. It's such a weird sport. If you've, you know, my Canadian wife still looks at me like, what are they doing? Um, yeah, yeah. Who's number one? That's such a great question. Um, inter- okay, it's, I'm just, it's soccer, man. Oh, right. It's soccer. Oh, big South American countries, Europe. Four billion Asia. people watch Is that soccer. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about, how, okay, so how about the third um, largest sport in the world? What do you think? Baseball. In terms of viewership, basketball, viewership. Oh, order. it's hockey. Really? It's hockey. Including, yeah, but it's get this. It's mostly field hockey. No. And it's and it, yeah. <laughs> no, isn't that weird? I thought that was strange too. Okay, this is going to blow your mind even more. I think. I, don't, I think there's almost no chance you get this. Number, Number four. Four. Um, I don't know. Badminton. God, that's weird. Oh yeah, you're getting into the space. Uh, it's tennis. Oh. I thought that's dying. There's a billion. There's a. I thought so too. There's a billion people who watch tennis. So it's just okay. We'll get to. We'll get to five because we have to. Right? Yeah. Five is what? What do you think? You mm, got to take a shot. Golf. At. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Golf, golf is ten. Oh. So volleyball. Volleyball. <laughs> what is volleyball? Is number five. Is that beach? Nine or nine? I, yeah, I don't know. Actually. Wow, that's, that's you know, I, did, I, I didn't work that hard. So, so okay, just to, just to give you a sense of it: six is table tennis, seven is basketball, <laughs> eight is baseball, nine is rugby, and ten is golf. Wow. Yeah. So in the U.S., though, this is how different our lives are. The number one sport, which is football, I think everybody knows yeah. that it, it football. That's double the second largest sport. Which is baseball? Is that right? Yeah. So, wow. 111 million people watch football. 40 million people watch baseball, and then it's basketball, ice hockey, soccer. In that order, soccer has almost caught up to ice hockey, though. And it's only we've only had a an American league for 20 yeah. years. I mean, a consistent American league for 20 years, like a major. That's league. amazing. Uh, but so they're almost they're almost neck and neck now. So anyway, I just I thought you know yeah. it's a light top to get us kicked Data off. Data man, uh, Data's my friend. Well, you know. A little bit of data is fun. Uh, so I thought we should start a new segment this time, though. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Ready? Let's do it. We got to establish our, our segments, our pillars, yeah. all that kind of stuff. This segment's going to be called Good News. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, because we're trying to fill voids in the gap, oh, right, no. of, of what's out there. And how often do you get to hear about good news? It's so right? true. It is real. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and we kind of get addicted by the negative news cycle. It's like watching a cut track. Yeah. It's really odd. But people, and they, then they get exhausted by it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm digging good news. You know, you know, you know where I got the idea to do good news. Where? I talked to my dad over the weekend. Oh. My dad just turned eighty. He reads. He's he's in, his head is still the same as it was forty years ago. <laughs> That's it's amazing. So cool. And he reads the New York Times and the Washington Post on Sundays. Nice. And knocks out his morning. Right. So I was talking to him. And he said, "Yeah, I tapped out about ten. I was done." Oh. And I and I said, "What's that all about?" And he goes, "I don't think the news cycle's changed. You know, like it's just, it's different. You know, we've got a, we have a lot of things to talk about, but we don't have nearly as much of the crazy that's floating yeah. around. And that's even more true today, since it sounds like the wheels of democracy are actually moving forward oh. in America. Like, like the institution won over the crazy. Yeah. So, so at least that's a win for democracy and democratic republics all over the world. Probably. Uh, and that, yeah. but, but it's funny how like, that's not really a huge story, even though it's probably worthy of, you know, 
I don't know. It seems like it'd be worthy of a lot. But anyway, uh, there's that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing. Oh, well, let me ask you. What's what's the good news down in Australia? What are you well, guys hearing about? We've got. Um, you know, we we've had a really successful pandemic strategy and we, we've had borders closed now we only have seven borders and territories so closing seven borders isn't difficult but they're now and we had a massive hotspot in melbourne uh, the state of victoria down south now they've opened up which is exciting and you've got to remember it's november 25 here and we're about to end our school year and we're going to roll into a long summer holiday we've got christmas in the middle new year's in the middle mm-hmm. and queensland mm-hmm. which is where we all take our holidays has been absolutely shut now, Queensland is where you have the Great Barrier Reef. You have all these great places oh, yeah. to have holidays. It's the only place we can go to because we can't go overseas, of course. And uh, yesterday they announced that the borders would be open, much to the relief of a lot of New South Welshmen, people uh. who live in New South Wales. So that was pretty good news. Um, you know, there's a buoyant sense of what's going on. But I must say it's – we are also – you know, when you live 10,000 miles from the rest of the world, you are raised to know to get on a plane and explore this world. So the standard thing mm. you do just after school mm. is you get a $100 airfare on Garuda Airlines, which is the most dangerous airline in the world. It's the national airline of Indonesia. And you fly, you fly, my friend, you fly to Bali. And that's where you begin your odyssey through Southeast Asia with a backpack and hope you don't get Bali belly and die. But I say all of that because we have a great spirit of adventure and we travel overseas because we're so far away from the rest of the world. So this lockdown... We feel very lucky to be here in Australia and we've got an essentially normal life. The, the, the debt's devastating. We had a very generous and appropriate JobKeeper thing. But the travel mm-hmm. thing is interesting and it's, there's a guiltiness in the sense that we're not having hundreds and thousands of people dying. But at, at the other end of the scale, it's, are we ever going to get on a plane again? And Qantas just, right. Qantas just has Qantas grounded all its aircraft. They will not be flying overseas for another, I think, two years. And they announced, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they announced yesterday, that if you want to fly on a Qantas plane out going abroad, you have to have a vaccine passport. And it's oh really God. brought up interesting problems. You've got the anti-vaxxers are now getting more voice. And it's, mm. it's an interesting discussion. I mean, if you wanted to fly to Africa in the past, you needed particular shots. I flew up to New Guinea. You needed tetanus. You needed a whole bunch of things. Jason, yeah. Jason, mm-hmm. Jason you're, taking, you're taking the good news segment and you're like, it's getting bad. <laughs> Sorry. It's getting bad. <laughs> Should we do it again? <laughs> anyway, no. happy, happy. No, we're going to keep rolling. Happy, happy, happy. We're going to keep rolling. Happy, happy. Ha- there we go. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no, okay, okay, just real quick. Cool. One quick question on Qantas, though, because I'm sure people are curious. How the heck's that? even possible is it because Qantas is like the state airline or something yeah I mean they're losing uh, yes okay okay <laughs> short answer yes short answer <laughs> okay okay all right all right so all right N- next piece of really good news yes three vaccines that are right on our doorstep yes apparently. that's they're right like, like days away <laughs> from being approved apparently which in America is a really big deal because also at the risk of ruining my good news segment uh, we're losing a World Trade Center full of people every three days. Is right that now. the statistic? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It's 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 hard to get fired yeah. up about it. But that's why we're excited it's about hard. vaccines. There's three vaccines. Uh, it is so exciting. Pfizer, Moderna. Yeah. Anyway, but but AstraZeneca, yeah. I think. But I think it's you know there was a sense of like, can you really get a drug approved that quickly? Gee, that sounds dodgy. But when you break it down and you realise that um, they've done the appropriate things, they've done the acceleration in an appropriate way, it's it's a fantastic win for science and the world. I think there are other examples. I mean, if you look at polio and other vaccines, you know, it took a fair bit of time. But boy, once it was developed, 
off they went. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say that, you know, thinking about that, uh, and I was thinking about some of the things that you talk about a lot, which is about reusability and getting smarter about the way we do things. I was thinking about how SpaceX has these launches that have been uh, going and are coming up. One is to be able to move people up into the space station. Another one is to put supposedly very cheap internet access for mm. everybody up there. You know, that's the dream, at least. And I, I was watching how one of these rockets works, and they've reused some of the components that we used to just shed off and make space junk. So the one rocket's been reused. Some of the components have been used like 49 times. That's extraordinary. I mean, yeah. isn't that crazy? I mean, the thing lands. Yeah. It's a rocket that lands. I, I mean, I just, I watched it and I thought, well, that is one of the smartest things I've ever seen. But with this tone of reusability, I thought, I know you had some things to say about some of the stuff you're doing right now for work and in your PhD program that I thought would be really interesting to talk about in terms of, the practical side of environmentalism. You know, when I talk to people about environmentalism, one of the things I've noticed over the years is that people tend to think it's just an ideological thing. Like either you have a sort of a hippie flower child granola vibe and you're into that sort of thing, or you're not. And talking to you over the years, I've really garnered that Maybe it's at different parts of the world or maybe it's just you, but, but there's a very scientific, pragmatic way of looking at all this. And I just thought I'd love to hear a few thoughts of this because I know you're, you're heading out into the center of Australia, the bush or whatever. Yeah, right? we're going to Uluru, which is the indigenous name for the, the Ayers Rock, which was, you know, Bob Ayers, probably the British explorer, walked out into the desert and discovered the biggest rock in the world, Ayers Rock, which is a real sacred site. And up until recently, us white fellas would climb that rock, which would be as sacrilegious as climbing Notre Dame. So we can't climb it anymore, oh which is great. And yeah, my wife's turning 50 tomorrow and we're going out there for three days and it's very spiritual. Uh, you know, Australia's blessed with the oldest indigenous culture in the world. And so wow. it's going to be magical. But yeah, but to your question, it's, like it's a good one. I think um, reusability is a, is a big thing. And the idea that being pro-environmental with some hippie thing that 1% of the population does is, is quite old school. Two really fascinating examples, which might surprise you, is Biden coming in. Biden coming in with a $2 trillion package around pro-environmental policies has suddenly awoken the Australian, essentially Republican prime minister, who was a pretty close to a climate denier. He's funded... He's wholly funded by big oil and big gas, and oil and gas are our biggest exports. And so in the space of the last 48 hours, this bloke has discovered that he might have to become green very quickly, which is interesting. <laughs> but the other really cool thing, I mean, I've been, you know, sustainability, we've had Earth Day since 1970, so 50 years of Earth Day, 50 years of an awareness on April 20 every year. Nothing's really changed. You know, we are addicted to convenience mm -hmm. and we're addicted to low cost and convenience that's where the amazon proposition is the is yeah. the absolute pinnacle of that paradigm well you know i'm trouble here because of i'm such a large fan of prime well i've left i left america five years ago and i'm still in a deep state of depression i see a therapist every day about where my all my packages are i don't know where they are um, but the other, yeah, the other thing, yeah. really, really quickly, the EU is all over this, okay? They've got a new waste directive, and this is how they're going to treat products. Coming into the EU, if that product's country of origin is a heavy carbon emitter, it will get taxed out the yin-yang. So now what's going to happen is you've got a price mechanism. You've got a mechanism that the, the, the market has used for years, and it's going to 
work in a way that that's going to punish com- countries that don't take sustainability seriously. So I think we're in a whole new era. And I think the other thing is the, the younger Gen Z are incredibly pro-environmental. It's not just the 1-2%. Mm-hmm. And you sure, the sure. reusability of you know things like coffee cups, people bring their own cups to a coffee shop. That is inconvenient and kind of a hassle, but they do it. Taking your own bags to the mm-hmm. supermarket, they'll do it. 115 countries have banned plastic shopping bags, those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think times are changing yeah. and they have to. So let me ask you about something, though, because I think years ago you were the first person to tell me something that terrified me, which was most of the mass deaths in the history of the Earth are either from two things. One, a massive meteor or viruses. This is true. And apparently viruses live in places that are now being breached, like the Amazon and the polar ice caps. And, you know, I think that this is something that I thought back in the day was like, well, I know, but that sounds like my grandkids' problem. Sure, that worries me, but that doesn't sound like something I've got to deal with right now, which is, of course, in hindsight, not true. <laughs> but the point is, but the point is, is that I now that this pandemic has hit from a virus that jumped from a species to humans and made it all the way across the globe in not very long. It makes me wonder what we should know about the risks to continually polar, uh, melting polar yeah. ice caps and breaching. I mean, I, anything you can talk about there would be great. Well, that's interesting. I mean, we live, we have created a linear world that suits the full brain, uh, re- the most recent part of our brain, meaning in a linear world, we take, we, we make, and we waste. We, so we, you know, you take oil from the ground, you make products, and then you waste them by putting them in landfill for 500 plus years each. We are the only species on Earth that creates waste. The concept of waste, the concept of mm. digging a hole in the ground and putting stuff in there, no other species on Earth does that. And so we don't live in the system that we're a part of. We're outside of it. And it goes back, not to get all heavy, but the philosopher um, Descartes, Cartesian detached analytical mm. thinking, the great thinkers of that time would step outside the experience of being human and observe it as if it wasn't part of us. And that has then mm-hmm. graduated into an us and them thing. We're not, we don't really get the environment. And it's, it shows up everywhere. You look at four-wheel drive, you've got big truck commercials, Chevrolet and big vehicle commercials. And the themes are like, we can dominate the planet. We can dominate that mountain by driving up it in this gas-emitting vehicle. And so I think mm-hmm. the problem is that we live in a, such a complex system, you know, that butterfly effect. We have no idea the impact of this thing over here on that thing over there. I mean, the Great Barrier Reef, the biggest, barrier, biggest coral reef in the world is dying at an ungodly mm-hmm. pace. And the best PhDs in the world can barely keep up with how that's working. But mm-hmm. back to the good news for a second. Yesterday, they figured out that platypuses are luminous, luminescent in light. That's just pretty cool. Which Wait, okay, what? <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. How, why would they have just learned Isn't that? Isn't that amazing? And, and, and so there are some good news. Hey, 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 Jason, hit it with a black light. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Holy crap. He closed. Don't, don't, you, don't you want to be a biologist now? I should have been a biologist. How good would that be? I love the joke about, oh. you know, so the platypus is God's joke, right? He got a duck. And he just shoved two bills on it and said, yeah, that'll do. You know, because a platypus sort of looks back to front like it's got two two heads sort of thing. Anyway, it's a long story. 
it looks it looks like a beaver duck, which is why people joke about it around here. Because right, we've got the two <laughs> local college teams, the beavers and the ducks. So, so yeah. All right. Well, so what about some of these cool things that people who maybe are not as uh, who are more into the tech side of it could check out? I mean, like I I saw the other day something that just blew my mind. I learned. Oh well, wait a minute. You're the one who told me about this crazy plastic island. Oh yeah, there's five of them. I, yeah. Okay, wait, can you talk more about yeah, that? Because that's I, I had a hard time believing that. I had to go look it up, and then I wondered, like, why isn't this on the cover of, you know, the Washington Post or something? I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It's fascinating. It's funny how the, the news cycle gets exhausted by all things sustainability, and there is a whole, there's a whole field of study about how climate scientists can share their news without sounding like Dr. Doom, and, mm-hmm. and a whole, there's probably a whole field of psychiatry helping those poor researchers, because they're up front and close with data that tells us that we're in massive trouble. Um, I think mm-hmm. the news cycle goes, yeah, five, this, they're called guys, oh, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm like, guys, G-Y-R-E-S, there's five guys around the world and they're, they're plastic waste patches. There's a massive one off the coast of California. I think it's between California and Hawaii. And really what it is is what's happened is that if you dump enough plastic litter into the ocean, it sort of it, it follows the currents of the ocean and it makes these massive swirling islands of, of plastic. Now, they're below the, the sea level. They're underneath the water and they've done some interesting research running boats through them and sort of collecting plastic and doing audits. But there's five of them. It just goes to show the, the, the pernicious nature of plastic. So plastic is an oil-based product. So how, how big are these oh, things, though? Because I mean, kilometres like- wide. They're massive. They are massive, but it's quite interesting. It's not solid. Like, you couldn't walk across it. But if you right. sail a boat through it, it very much, it feels heavy. Like, something's happening underneath. And so, oh, it is bizarre, and it's it's prompted some remarkable things. So, Ellen MacArthur, at the age of 21, sailed around the world single-handedly, fastest woman in the world to do it. And she's a young woman. She's tiny. She comes back off the boat onto land in England. And she has two revelations. One is when you travel around the world, you need to pack very lightly. And the other thing is she has never seen so much plastic as she saw on that trip. So she stopped sailing and started a thing called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. And that group, which we work with, is all about the circular economy, which is this transition away from the linear, take, make, waste, to circular. So create products that regenerate, create product service systems. So, you know, extended produce responsibility. I sell you, Chris, a product and I, the manufacturer, will take it back. And so it's an mm-hmm. interesting tie back to the five guys, those plastic guys, these circles of waste and what it prompted one person to do that's then fired up this whole movement around circular economy. And that's what my PhD is in. It's a kind of burgeoning field of sustainability. Is it, is it, are they really called guys? So it's G-Y-R-E-S. And I can't remember if it's gyres uh, or gyres. I think there's a bit of a debate. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. 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 That's that's the, that that's I think officially where that segment has to stop. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, hey, listen. You and Kim have a blast out out there. Is it going to be hot? It's it's going to be 38 degrees Celsius, which is nearly 100 Fahrenheit. Yeah, you're under oh. a massive sky of stars, and it's kind of uh, mm-hmm. a, a ca- camping, but comfortable camping. And uh, 
you know, we're excited to get on a plane, right? And we, we've had to do yeah. a whole bunch of protocols. We had to submit a little survey and make sure we're healthy. But uh, thank you. We're very excited about it. So this is like, just so people have a sense, this is going, this is like flying from uh, Portland to Kansas yes, City. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep. That should be Interesting. good. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, listen, hey, everybody. If you're having a good time listening to these, please rate and review us. Tell your friends. We will be back every Thursday. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you for joining us at the Recombobulator Lab with Chris Dominic and Jason Graham Nye. Catch you next time.